All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Fine. All right. Welcome to the Cinderella podcast, where we watch and review every Cinderella adaptation we can unfortunately get our hands on and discuss something that approaches the same story as we go insane right now. I'm Liv. And I'm Talon. And today we watched Cinderella, made in 2000, which we're calling the King Lear Cinderella. We did consider the murder and mermaid Cinderella, but the follow through on the murder didn't happen. So it was more like attempted murder. And there's not like multiple mermaids. There's just the one possible mermaid. So the whole thing was a bust. Yeah. And as you can tell, this was an interesting one. Yep. Okay, well, that was fun. Let's go. Let's be done. I don't. <laughs> okay, so we start with a voiceover, which I didn't like. So we start with this weird backdrop of a castle. The sky is unfortunately CGI'd. So it looks like there's northern lights in the sky. At no point is the sky ever just the sky. It's always scintillating and weirdly yellow highlight and just awful the sky is just an eldritch horror coming to get you it looks like big rectangular beams of light are coming towards you and it's weird and the scale is off so it's kind of monolithic but it's also very grounded in the background so it feels like it's part of the the backdrop and it is incredibly disorienting. And it turns out that's just the letters appearing one by one randomly in the title, just kind of whooshing towards us. It was very unsettling. And it set the vibe perfectly because this entire movie proceeded to just be weird and off-putting, which is not a criticism. Yes, it is. I mean that. Yes, it is. With all the love in my heart. <laughs> I criticize. This was weird and off-putting meant as a criticism. So we get this voiceover that tells us that once upon a time, well, actually, just last year, there was a great ball, and we get rock and roll music, and then we get weird, old-timey footage. Okay, listen. It's like a car, and people are marching with the car, and waving flags, and it looks very patriotic, but it's the sort of grainy footage that they shot World War II newsreels with. Mm-hmm. And it just has such a strong dictator vibe. That it's just inescapable. Like, I can't even explain why it's off-putting, but I'm immediately viscerally upset. Evidently, this was intentionally set in the 1950s. The backdrop is the Isle of Man, so it is on an island. But yeah, in this parade thing, there's the children. We're hearing about how Queen Serafina, who is dressed like Marie Antoinette for some reason, even though this is 1950, has decided that her son, Prince Valiant, must have a wife. She's not into that idea. But we're watching this parade, and there are small, grubby children cheering, but they're like Soviet-era 1970s children. They're Yeah, like in little newscaps. Yeah. And they're... They're all, like, smudgy and wearing neutrals. They're like miners' children dressed in gray, like, fresh out of the coal mines of Norfolk. Like, it's horrible. And for some reason, the footage, like, slightly slows down because it's all textured to look older than it is. Because, again, this was made in the year 2000. Yep. So the voiceover says, The prince remained unwed, the queen remained determined, and it was a stroke of luck 
as it turns out for one person in particular. And that one person is the stepmother. <laughs> so what is happening is the stepmother and the two stepsisters are all wearing beige trench coats and sunglasses and kerchiefs around their heads. And it looks like very Soviet-era spy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They're trying to get into the castle, and I thought that this was a flash forward to like what happens at the end. I am now being informed that it is just what's happening in the past. <laughs> but they're trying to get into the castle, and the guard is like, no, it's only for the great families of the land. You, you have to have the right blood to get in. The stepmother, the future stepmother, I guess, Claudette, goes... Oh, you shall go, girls. I promise you. And then we see the castle from a distance. And there's these rolling green hills and a girl dramatically walking in a very romantic, windy, moor cliff environment. And okay, dark hair billows in the wind. Okay, but this girl is dressed like she's from 1740s Scotland. Yes. Mm-hmm. She looks like she's straight out of the Outlander. Like I'm sorry, when I said romantic, I meant the romantic period of art and literature. Yes. In that she literally looks like she is from that time. The sky, by the way, is weirdly animated and continues to look like it's drunk. I've never seen a sky look drunk before, and it's it's truly horrifying. A lot of the movie is filmed in such a way as though it's like filmed through the kind of filter people use to do the effect of someone having had a lot of psychedelic drugs. Mm-hmm. It's very much how you know that a character is having an acid trip. Things are just weirdly limbed in yellow light and kind of wooey. The background moves faster than the foreground. It's awful. Everything's a little bit too swirly, but like subtly and at the corners and it kind of fades out and things aren't exactly static. It's, it is. It's a very interesting choice. Artistically, I am intrigued by it. I don't know that it makes sense for Cinderella. It is Lovecraftian. It's spooky. The music in this is spooky. The lighting in this is terrifying. The storyline in this is pretty horrifying as well. This is just a horror movie. I'm pretty convinced. Okay, so you know how it's pretty common to have dark and eerie versions of Alice in Wonderland? Yeah. Where everything's just dark and twisted and eerie. Mm -hmm. So it's like the Cinderella version of that in a very self-consciously goth kind of way. So weird. So this girl is Cinderella, obviously. Her name in this one is actually Zezela, which I like. I like it when Cinderella has a name. Yeah. Everybody else has names that are significant in other ways. We'll get to it. So she is leaving flowers by a tomb, and it's just sort of talking to it like, oh, I didn't see a buzzard today. Just weird. But the sky is so clear and the lake is the deepest green. She's talking like she's either in an Anne of Green Gables kind of movie mm-hmm. or she's a fan of those movies as a teen and considering the time period could be either one. Could be. She is interrupted by some buying of sheep and there's a flock of very adorable sheep. One of them is named Beatrice and she greets it. My notes go... Sheep. Oh my god, sheepies. 
if anything happens to this sheep, so help me God, I'm ending the podcast. So, so here's here's your warning, everyone. Something bad does happen to the sheep. Yep. Don't get attached to the sheep. Please remember that that sheep is a paid actor who's doing a very good job. Yes, the sheep was obviously not harmed in the making of this movie. My heart was harmed in the making of this movie for all that we only saw the sheep for like 10 seconds. So, yeah. Anyways, Cinderella goes inside and she finds her old servant whose name is like Phelan. Okay, I think it's Phelan. It might be Thalen with a TH. It could be that. We could also look this up. I mean, the internet does exist. Unfortunately, when you look up Cinderella 2000, that's <laughs> 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 ah, not the thing that comes up first. I no, it's, it. no, it's not. Phelim. F-E-I-M. What? Phelim. F-E-I-M? F-E-L-I-M. Phelim. Phelim. Okay. Uh, guys, when you're naming stuff, please give your characters names that are not horribly confusing. Okay. So apparently it's an Irish name for men and it means beauty ever good constant. That's very that's very nice. Good for Phelan. Anyways. I feel like I'm saying Salem, but I have a cold. Yeah, right? It's okay. Anyways, so Zezela goes into the castle and she finds Phelim shoveling coal. She's like, Father, we'll be arriving tomorrow with a surprise. He tries to get her to eat something and she's like, oh no, I couldn't eat. I'm too excited to eat. And then she's just sort of sitting weirdly at this table and she goes, oh, Phelim, what shall I do with my life? I want to do something useful. And he goes, better have a piece of cheese then, which was amazing. Also... Phelan is, like, very, very old. Mm -hmm. And when he shovels coal, it is very difficult for him. And it's very upsetting to watch. Yeah. It happens a lot. And he's clearly, like, trying so hard to take care of Zazala, but she's also trying to take care of him. Mm -hmm. So she insists on getting the cheese herself and tries to get him to sit in her spot. And he looks very befuddled by the whole thing. The scene shifts to Zezala in her bedroom, standing in front of an open window. The sheer drapes are kind of going whoosh in the wind. And all of these sparkles flow into the room around her. Mm -hmm. Looks very serene as her hair flies behind her magically. And she just goes, hush, wind. And it's very eerie. Well, also, what's playing in the background behind this is spooky rising strings and like haunted lullaby music and when she tells the wind to stop the sparkles stop moving they just freeze in place like weird frozen fireflies it's kind of horrific and we're just we're done with that scene that never comes back it's never addressed it's so confusing mm -hmm. and then we're at the train station because there's also trains lots of trains because it's the 50s i forgot and was very surprised <laughs> because she's doing some sort of like medieval LARP situation. Yeah. Where she talks like she only reads like period pieces. She's she's in the 17th. If we called this the time traveling Doctor Who Cinderella, it would be no less accurate. Okay. I do want to point out though that if she's about like 17 or so, it is completely plausible that she's just going through a thing. 
I don't know what you're talking about, Talon. None of us ever went through a phase where we dressed solely like medieval mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Scottish lasses and talked dramatically for a long time. That's a really weird thing that you would bring up. That definitely... As your long princess hair billows <laughs> fantastically in the wind. Yeah, okay. Okay, so uh, train station. We zoom in on a clock as it slowly ticks and the time slows down a little bit and there's an ominous thud. And then the train comes in and we get like three sets of sexy legs in black high heels and like fishnets, like fishnet pantyhose, like fully fishnet pantyhose. Yeah. Descending the train in a very showgirls kind of way. Mm -hmm. And for a second, I was like, oh, my God, I hope this isn't a musical because the music kind of swelled and nothing happened. And I was so relieved. So relieved. Yep. So uh, Cinderella greets these ladies with like, um, hello hi what's happening back home the father his name is martin is talking i hate martin yeah father is talking with zazala and he's like claudette is my new wife she makes me happy and you need a mother and zazala's like i have a mother and martin goes she's dead he goes oh my darling she's dead as if he's explaining it to her it's very upsetting Every time we see a father, it's a worse father. I've got worst father in my superlatives category in three different Cinderella's so far. Each one is worse than the last. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the one that was an evil stepfather, literally within the text, is not one of them. Oh, no. He was fine. That was just a complex character. Anyways, we cut to the stepsisters. They're fussing about something. Oh, by the way... One of the stepsisters is played by Lucy Punch, professional Cinderella stepsister. She is delightful. I will say that the stepsisters and the stepmother have a truly delightful dynamic with one another in this, which I loved the entire time. They're really fun. Mm -hmm. So there's two stepsisters. They are named after King Lear's daughters. Put a pin in that one. So the oldest one is a brunette. Her name is Goneril, which yep. is her name. Mm -hmm. The younger one is Blonde and is played by Lucy Punch, and her name is Reagan. Yep. And she just has the personality she has and everything. They're, they're both snooty. Neither of them is particularly clever, and they tend to turn on each other and be very catty. So, of course, I love them. Yes, but they're, they're fussing, and Goneril's like, well, I'm the oldest. And it turns out that they are arguing about who gets this bedroom. The father comes in with Claudette's stepmother, and Claudette is like, Oh, my darling, you must decide who gets this room. You're the king of the castle, whatever. And Zezula walks in, and she's like, Hey, but this is my room? Claudette goes, Oh, well, Zezula will move out if she wants her sisters to feel at home. And the father's like, Yes, yes, I approve. This is a good plan. And the stepmother says, I tore to the attic. It's perfectly acceptable. And the father's like, oh, good girl. It's, it's horrific. It's really gross. Also, Claudette, the stepmother, she's like an evil stepford wife kind of lady. Mm -hmm. Very steely. Everything's perfectly quaffed. Mm -hmm. And she's just like very polite and nice and also like the meanest person you've ever met. She's played by Kathleen Turner who does an amazing job. 
we cut to dinner and we see dinner going weirdly. Like the stepsisters are just weirdly chugging wine. Claudette scolds Zezula for being quiet. Why aren't you talking more? A girl who's quiet can't get a husband. Good conversation is the key to something. I didn't write down these lines because I was already not enjoying this. No, but that that's very accurate, actually. And Zezula is really confused. She's like, why are we having such fancy food? We don't, like, we don't drink wine. Why are we doing this? And the father is very sketchy about it. Mm-hmm. And he, like, is being very evasive. Where he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, why can't we have something nice once in a while? We're not poor. Ha 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 ha. And she's like, oh, well, have you had good fortune in town? And he goes, yes, indeed. I've met my wife. So that's not sketchy at all. Yeah. And then we get um, the weirdest scene. In the whole movie, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This was the weirdest scene. Yeah, it's super weird. It's very, like, sexually charged in a way that doesn't go anywhere. Nope. It doesn't come back. It suddenly turns into, like, cruel intentions Yeah. for, like, all of 30 seconds. And then it switches back to being Cinderella. Yeah. So the stepsisters are trying on what I have down as sexy's 50s hats. And they're sort of sniping at each other. But then there's a knock at the door. And they both leap onto the bed to pose sexily wearing fishnets and garters and those little tiny 50s shorts that pinup girls wore. And they pose for whoever's answering the door at Zezla asking if they have everything that they need. And they're like, oh, come in, have wine, have a cigar. Have you not had this? You need to learn a few tricks, otherwise you'll never have a man in your bed. Oh, you're an innocent. We must corrupt you. And they're just aggressively, like, the meme of, like, when the older couple at the bar starts giving you this look, that meme, it's that. It's that for a whole scene, and it's so uncomfortable. At one point, they pull her towards them where they were sitting on the bed, and she ends up sitting on the little bench in front of the bed, looking straight ahead. Mm-hmm. And then they sort of crawl up behind her on either side of her it's... and like start whispering at her in her ears. It's very off-putting. But she, like, doesn't get any of these overtones at all. Nope. And when they're like, wow, will you ever get a man in bed for your pleasure? She's like, I don't want that. And they ask, what do you do for fun in the evenings? Are there parties? Are there dens of ill repute? And you're like, you want to go to a brothel? You want to go to a brothel. What is there for you at a brothel in 1950s? Well, I'm baffled. I think they're looking for dudes. That's not a great place to go to find marriage material dudes in the 1950s. I'm just I don't saying. Know what, I don't know what to tell you. That's I think okay. they're like, where will the men be? Zezla explains that mostly they just sit and read in the evening and the stepsisters laugh. And they're like, oh, well, that explains why mother got remarried at such an incredible speed. And it cuts to the stepmother and the father making out, which was uncomfortable. They're at the end of a long hallway, and it's kind of shadowed. And we get this really long pan up the hallway that's kind of swaying a little bit from the perspective of somebody walking up closer to them. And then it pivots to show Zazalek standing in the shadows with a candle. And she stands there silently and looks at her father and stepmother like fully make out in the hallway in the dark for like just watches them several beats for a while and then like her father looks up and goes Zezla go go to bed 
And as she walks away, he shrugs and goes back to making out with the stepmother. Yeah. So Zezel's in the attic and she holds up a little picture of her mom and then lies down. And then the light in this room streaming in through the circular window, which is also haunted, mm-hmm. just sort of hauntedly moves around the room. And we get ghost mom portrait on the wall through the light just for a bit. It's like a camera obscura, but not upside down. No, just upsetting. It was very beautiful, but very eerie. So the attic is unpleasant. There are hot steam pipes that wakes her up. And the stepmother, who is wearing this hysterical purple outfit that's like got this massive hip frills and fur at the cuffs and just this like pencil skirt. It's delightful. It's like Barney, but make it fashion. Sexy 1950s Barney. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she is mad at Phelan for being asleep in a chair and is like, it's cold here. You have to go back to the boiler room. I'm a warm person. I will not be cold, is the line I wrote down. It was incredible. And then we cut to the stepmother being really mad at the father because all of the money is borrowed. She goes, you have deceived me. And that she expected, because he was noble, that he would have money. He's like, well, you know, we'll just be frugal. (laughs) And the stepmother says, frugality makes me very unpleasant to live with. So she encourages him to mortgage the property and insists that he get cash because she won't be humiliated in this way. She says something about like, oh, my daughters aren't expected to go without clothes on their back. And he's like, I bought them plenty of clothes in town. And she goes, there are never enough clothes. And this woman is literally having a panic attack about not having enough clothes, which was funny to watch. But we cut from that directly to Zezla in the boiler room finding Phelan the very old servant dude passed out next to a boiling hot boiler on a giant pile of coal. Yeah, she helps him up and the next scene is him laying in bed and he's all cleaned up but he's clearly not doing well. Zazel is mopping his forehead with like a cold compress and he's shivering. This is very strange conflict to set up. It's just kind of absurd that the problem is that the evil stepmother wants her house to be so hot that she makes the elderly servant shovel coal into the boiler and it makes them sick. Like, that's such a strange way to go about showing that she's mean to the servant. Yeah, the best version of stepmother mean to the servants is, again, Angelica Houston, well, I'm selling you to America. Yep. That's the that's how you do that. You get rid of the servants so that you don't have to pay them. And then you make Cinderella do all the work. You don't work them to illness and then make Cinderella do the work. Like, that's weird. It felt like those high school dare videos where they're like, and this is what it's going to look like when people try to give you drugs. And then they show a situation that would just never happen. Never happen. And it's like, okay, I mean, like, yes, I believe that she's abusing the servants, obviously. But like, this is what you came up with? This is weird. It's a lot of steps. So from there, we cut directly to King Lear. Yep. The father's like, I'm going to town. Give me proof of your love and I'll give you whatever you desire. The stepsisters do a very delightful glance at each other and instantly race to his side and kneel down on either side of him. And Goneril, the older brunette one, is like, you're the kindest, gentlest stepfather. And she's saying this all incredibly sincerely. They're not doing the stepsister thing of 
too stupid to pretend nicely or too mean to be able to pretend for any length of time. She's genuinely being very sincere in this moment. I mean, it's not subtle. No, but she's not. But it's plausible. It's plausible. If you wanted to believe that, you could believe that. So she's like, you're the kindest, gentlest stepfather. I would like a diamond necklace. And he's like, that was great. And then Reagan, the blonde one, praises his like simple country wisdom and like we were in danger of being spoiled, but you with your good-hearted, simple nuggets of wisdom have saved us. Your folksy sayings. Yeah. And he's like, that's wonderful. And she's like, I would like a pure gold ring with an emerald. And he's like, absolutely. And then Zezala walks in and her father greets her with the line, it's about time you condescended to make an appearance. Yeah. Yep. So she's covered in soot because she was trying to help Balaam and clean him up. And they start mocking her for it. And they call her Cinder Girl. And then they decide to call her Cinderella. And she goes very stoically, my name is Zezala. And the stepmother goes, not anymore. And then the father goes, haha, Cinderella, I like that. And then he follows that up with, well, how much do you love me? <laughs> and in a remarkable show of restraint, Zezala says, I don't love you any more or any less than an honest daughter should. Which is just how King Lear goes. Yeah. Like, that's just... Which, like, if those events had played out with me, I would be like, I don't love you at all right now. At all? Right now? None. Like, zero amount. You suck, actually. Yeah. Or, like, I love you, but, like, you're making it very hard. So whatever's the smallest amount of I love you that exists, that's the amount I feel for you. And, like, you're on a thin line, dude. So he's furious about this. He says, then you shall have no present. Because he's a petty, petty man. He is. But the next scene is Ezra racing to the train to see him off. And she hauls herself up to this train window and goes, Mother used to tell me how you met by a rose bush at the palace. Please bring me a rose to plant by her grave. And the dad goes, be respectful to my wife while I'm away and I'll consider it. This is the worst father. He sucks. He's terrible. He sucks. Like, the Ashenfutel father didn't like him. Father from Cindy, he was also really bad. This guy is way worse. Oh, yeah. No. Like, new new worst father. He is completely awful. Mm-hmm. So the train drives away, and it's very dramatic. And then we get this really, really long shot of Zezala standing almost silhouetted by the train tracks as the train gets further and further away from her. It's very cinematic. But a very strange choice. Yeah. So we're back in the castle. The stepmother has removed the painting of Zezala's mother, which was in like place of pride in the main hall, and has replaced it with a mirror. And Zezala is very mad about this. And she goes, you are coarse and greedy, and you can never be as beautiful as her. And gets, you know, slapped the way that happens when you say things like that to an evil stepmother. And the stepmother yells, I dislike idle girls. We'll have to find you something to do. Then we cut to a work montage. Yep. So Cinderella is now at the boiler, shoveling coal. She's scrubbing the toilet in the world's gaudiest, shiniest bathroom Mm -hmm. as the stepmother is taking a bath and like singing off key. And in the background of all the chores she's doing, there's constant like construction and remodeling noises. 
but also like the weird laughter of sisters just like weird cackling the laughter that plays when you're in the first part of a haunted movie yeah and there's like ethereal laughter that maybe that's someone in the next room but it's probably the ghost of all the murdered children it's that so she goes back out into the moor to her mother's grave at this point i realized that it was her mother's grave and i had a lot of questions why is there a single grave so far away from everything it's not on a churchyard it's not in a graveyard there's no church in sight you only bury people outside of I mean, I have a theory, and I can't tell it to you yet. Okay, we'll talk about this later. I also have theories about okay, why great. this grave is so far away. We'll have to talk about this in the after party. Okay, so an eagle lands on top of this grave, and there's really, really weird light. Is it an eagle? It is an eagle, yeah. It's just like a brown eagle. Oh, okay. Or, like, maybe a hawk or something. I don't know. I'm not into it. It's some sort of bird that is scary looking. I think it's an eagle. It might be a hawk. I don't know. I thought it was like a falcon, maybe. Or a falcon. It's one of the, it's a bird with a big beak and sharp. It's a bird. We, we can call him Mr. Bird. Great. Mr. Bird shows up. The sky goes all weird. There's some weird light streaks. And we see a person in water, like, just, this is a fairy, but a really weird sort of dark fairy. I don't like it. And then the weird streak lights go away and we're just back in the moor. And the stepsisters are out dressed like 1880s dandies with the white breeches and the dark overcoats. And they've got sawed off shotguns. And they're just like, um, what's the word? You gotta give me something to go on. It's the big guns. They're like. Rifles? Nope. It starts with a B. Bayonets? No. Big rifles. (laughs) No, it doesn't matter. Live from the future here. The word is blunderbuss. I said it didn't matter, but it was killing me. It's this massive, like, short shotgun. And Cinderella is furious with them. She's like, you've killed something because they shot like a bird. And she's super mad about it. And she goes, you took a life for fun. One, she lives in a farm. You... Maybe she's a vegetarian. Maybe she's a vegetarian. Or maybe, like, the sheep are primarily for the wool. Normally, sheep would be primarily for the wool. But then this is, so, like, a bird has fallen from the sky because these girls managed to shoot a bird. But then one of them turns their guns, and they shoot past Cinderella, and the sky turns red, and they've killed Beatrice, the sheep. And this mostly happens off screen, but, like, Zazzle is very upset. And we do see a lying down sheep with red paint on it. Meanwhile, we see the stepsisters from like a a slightly lower angle. And so they're looming over us with the sky behind them kind of moving very quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's very dramatic. And Regan is just talking about how like hot it is to do murders. She's like, wow, I see why people do this. It's a bit of a turn on, eh? Gives me a bit of a rush. Then afterwards, she's like, I feel tingly. Yeah. I just have, uh, I hate it. I hate it. Mm-hmm. In my notes, so. And then our next scene is that we're in the dining room, and the stepsisters are complaining to their mother that they drove around for miles and they didn't see any men, only peasants. Regan fancies a tall one with a mustache, and they chat about whether... 
it's okay for a man to have a mustache or not. But in this moment, Zezel is serving them. And as they seem to be finishing, she says, what is there for my supper? And is told that if you don't eat when we're eating, then there's nothing. Even though she clearly had to be the one serving them the whole time. Yeah. So then she goes to Phelan and is complaining to him while he's still laying in bed suffering. Yeah. And she's telling him how there's no money for more staff and she hasn't had any dinner. And not that she's too grand to work. And he goes, oh. You're just like your mother was. And then he makes a pain noise, and it's because of his bed sores. Yeah, that's not information I wanted a Cinderella to tell me ever, so didn't like that. Yeah, that made me real sad. So the father returns, and he presents the stepsisters with the gifts, and they thank him. One of them, like, kisses him on the cheek. When Zazala comes in, He's like, well, you could have at least been here to greet me when I came in. And she very frostily goes, I was working. Yep. And the stepmother explains that it's good for her character. And the father agrees. Mm-hmm. Yep. But he did at least bring her a rose. And she is planting it by the grave, which is what happens next. We see Mr. Bird again and this weird superimposed lady in water. Yeah, it's odd and confusing and she looks close enough to Zezala to it be like is that Zezala this is, is that a... her mom we is have no idea of her mom no idea is it somebody else so confusing and then we're in a funhouse room yeah it's very black and white it's got narrow black and white stripes that are horizontal on most of the surfaces but vertical on some of them it's a Beetlejuice room. It's a Beetlejuice room, uh, including like inside the fireplace. This is a room inside their, you know, 15th century Scottish castle. So just but it every- is the 50s, so, so it does check out. I, I really hated that it was in this old castle. Like if you want to have her be in this weird, opulent 1950s house, let them live in town. No, I loved it. It was great. Ugh. It was like that German Cinderella we saw. I did but, love like, the German Cinderella. Even more so. Just, yeah, but it is, just banana set design. It was bananas. So she is announcing that since the father has not returned with cash uh, because he bought presents for the girls that they asked for because he didn't want to disappoint them, she will now be withholding physical comfort from him and he has to go sleep in a separate room. But then he pulls out the ticket to the Royal Gala and she throws herself at him and is like, oh, I... I'm very into you now. And he's like, well, I don't really want to go to this, but I would love it if you and the girls went. So she gets the ticket and then we hear him go, can I sleep with you still? Can I still sleep in my room? But no, he cannot. He gets kicked out of his room in the middle of the night as Cinderella is on the floor kneeling, scrubbing something. And she calls to him and he's just like in his pajamas, holding a pillow, looks at her and then just kind of rolls his eyes and walks away. It had the strong energy of a man's personal sexual dynamic being exposed to his, like, adult child. Yeah. Because his wife is, like, you know the rules. So, like, this is clearly a thing like, that is already happening. Yeah. It's fine if he's into it. He seems like he's into it. 
but he really shouldn't be doing that where his daughter is right there. It's awful. So we're back at the grave now. The eagle comes again. The rose bush is much bigger. Zezula is complaining that they won't give her anything to eat. They make her do all the chores, and father still prefers them to me. She says she wishes, you know, mom, I wish you hadn't died. And we get these extremely ominous whispers that just... There's a lot of wind whooshing, and the bird starts screeching mm -hmm. a lot. A lot. And flies off with a mysterious whoosh, but kind of stops not too far away, and then flies a little more and stops getting Zezula to follow him. Yeah, so up until this point, the sounds the eagle has been making, the sounds Mr. Bird has been making, are just normal raptor sounds, just normal, the eagle cries, the hawk screams, just normal, normal sounds. They start to mess with the sound in some way, starting right about now. So it sounds like a dragon now, and it's awful. It's making these fiery, screaming dragon sounds. It's, it's truly terrifying. Yep. So Zezula goes down these cliffs to a shore, and she follows the bird into a cave with a waterfall, and she goes very whimsically, where are you taking me, my friend? It's a creepy cave, though. Like, it's very creepy. The bird just makes, like, bird sounds at her. Mm -hmm. Zezula touches this waterfall that's falling into the center of the cave into, like, a small well or spring. And when she touches it, it's like a force field, almost. And the bird flies into it and disappears. So Zezula steps through the waterfall, and there's this whoosh. And the water moves apart around her, and there's a lot of whispers. And now she's in a new place, which is also a cave with a waterfall, but a, you know. A different one. A different one with paintings on the walls. Like old cave drawings. Yeah. And then a lady peels herself away from the stone wall. Yeah. And here's the thing. All of my notes in this are like, this is the Isle of Man. This water would be freezing. The way that these caves are made is that there are like deep channels that go through them. This is a great way to die. This is a great way to go into what is supposed to be a wading pool, but it's actually super deep and sucks you into like a tunnel under the land and you drown. Also, these caves fill up really fast when the tide comes in. Like this is... I just spent the whole time being like, this is not a good cave to be in. Please leave this cave. Please but leave this cave. But it's obviously magic. In general, yes, absolutely, you are right. Yeah. But it's magic. She teleported to a different cave. That cave is, like, not cold. I guess. And we meet this nymph. Who's Queen Mab? She's just Queen Mab. You know, some people have a fairy godmother. And then some people's fairy godmother is like the fairy who's the god mother figure of all fairies. Yeah, so we took fairy godmother a little bit too literally in this one. So Mab says she likes to be close to her lake. Zezula asks, are you a witch? And Mab is like, I'm Mab. I'm a woman who likes to live on her own quietly and the world thinks she's a witch. I swim and I make up the legends of the lakes. What a beautiful life. I do love Mab's vibe the whole time because Mab is just very surreal and inhuman in just a like, not a, 
alien. Matt is alien. Where she's like, I'm trying with the people sounds. Hmm? She fundamentally doesn't get Zazila and her motivations, like, at all. None. There is zero comprehension. It's like explaining feelings to a robot. It's just like, I, I, I get that you like it. I don't know what to tell you. Yay? Yay. And the other part of it is that she has such a strong, like, feral and energy. Feral, yeah. Like, it's 3 p.m. She just woke up. She's having whiskey for breakfast. And she rides a motorcycle. And your dad is like, don't do any of the things that my sister does. Yeah, no, that's that's Mab energy. Basically, they have this conversation where Mab says, I stay up here. I don't like to go into the village. The village is where there are people. Ew, gross. People bother me. And says, I was like, oh, well, if I'm bothering you, like, let me leave. And Mab's like, no, you're not bothering me. Like, stop being weird. I thought you were hungry. And tells her to go down this staircase to the underwater part of the cave. And Zezula goes, I won't be able to breathe. And Mab goes, well, go hungry. Then I've got work to do. And walks away. <laughs> and Zezula's like, okay, fine. And slowly descends the staircase into the water. And we go into... Uh, the best that 2000s could do in terms of CGI, I guess. So she's having an underwater feast now. So what is happening is she's at a dining table with like a mountain of food. Mm -hmm. But she is doing this inside just a really terrible aquarium screensaver. Yes. At this point, my notes go, we're a third of the way through this movie and haven't seen a prince. Mm-hmm. Well, we've heard of him. We've heard of him. He was technically in some old-timey footage in the beginning, but we couldn't tell which one he was. So I maintain that we have not seen a prince. Yeah. And to be clear, Zazala eats the food under the water, inside a cave behind a waterfall, offered to her by Mab. And somehow this is fine for her, actually. But she super-duper should not have done that. Yeah. We cut back to the house. The stepsisters are arguing about whether it's better to love a man who is attractive or a man who has money. And this inevitably brings them to the topic of the prince who has both. And we now have these sort of getting ready for the ball scene, which doesn't involve them getting ready so much as it does them discussing their literal battle plan for this ball. In a pop quiz fashion. Yep. The stepmother says, balls are a battlefield. If you hope to triumph, you must plan your campaign. And she's like, what are the five things I've told you? And one of them is like, shoes for a huntress? Mm -hmm. Well, dress and makeup to kill, and the most important is the shoes. Yes, and the harder they are to walk in, the more effective. Mm -hmm. One of the five points is never accept a gift that is smaller than the one before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Three is flattery. Four is laugh at his jokes, and then the girls don't remember the last one. Mm -hmm. The stepmother's very disappointed in them, because the final point is, be late for everything. What is the point of catching a man if you are unable thereafter to control him? She's like, be late for everything and taste the nectar of power. And I'm like, oh, that is not how I feel when I'm late for things, not which I at am all. a lot. Nope, nope, nope. So... The stepsisters sit by her and offer her champagne and like put their heads on her shoulder and they're like, oh, mother, 
we're sorry to disappoint you. And she's like, oh, no, girls, you're coming from a broken home. I know this is so hard for you. And the girls are like, yes, so hard. This is hard. And then she ominously refers to the fact that her two previous husbands didn't last. And then she confesses that the current husband also sucks. And she didn't know he was a fraud. And she just assumed he had something in the bank. And then she dramatically drinks her drink in one gulp. Which leads us to Goneril bringing a drink over to the father. Saying, mother sent it for your nerves. Yeah. And she's wearing all black. And she walks out and he drinks it. Low strings play ominously. And we cut to the stepmother smoking evilly in the dark, looking out of a window evilly, with a very terrifying, creepy white doll in, like, a dress just in the background for no reason. It was horrifying. Mm -hmm. Zazalud comes into the room, and they have this weird back and forth of, where have you been? Nowhere. Don't lie to me. And Zazalud goes, okay, I've been to the bottom of a lake, which is where I wish you were. And the stepmother grabs her by the hair and just, like, hauls her away. And then we just leave that scene. And now Zezel is sitting with Phelan, this old servant. And he goes, oh, you've seen Mab. We go back a long ways. How is the old mermaid? And Zezel is like, oh, is she a mermaid? And Phelan's like, oh, I don't know. Is she? Zezel is like, no, I thought you said. What? what? And he's like, what? <laughs> It's so weird. The vibe is definitely that the servant and Mab have definitely been together intimately. Like, they're definitely, like, involved. Oh, 100%. He kind of laughs and says she has a heart of gold and tells Zazala that if she's ever in trouble to go to her, and just tell her, like, what your problem is and she'll help you. Mm -hmm. And Zazala is, like, skeptical, but he's like, no, just go to her. So Zazala is scrubbing the floor. And the stepsisters walk by loudly talking about who husband number four is going to be mm -hmm. and how they hope it's a duke. And it's not clear if Zezula has actually heard them. They walk right by her. So it seems like she would have and would have been able to like intuit that there is a murder in the process of happening. It's the 50s. Maybe they're getting a divorce. Maybe it's... She doesn't respond as though she's heard them, but it was weird to have this happening in the same room as her. Mm -hmm. It was a little confusing. Yeah. So the blonde stepsister, Reagan, gives the father some more tonic, and he's in this weird sort of side bedroom, small attic hallway place. Not looking great. Okay. So this tonic, BT dubs, is being given in this ornate glass chalice that's like halfway between a candlestick and a martini glass. Mm-hmm. And the tonic starts out being just clear, but just every time gets a little bit more green. Yep, the color of evil. Yes, obviously. And then we're back to the stepmother talking about just like battlefield advice for fashion. It's like Claudette's lessons on how to get a man, mm -hmm. which I kind of super enjoy. <laughs> See, here's the thing. If this was a movie about a an absolute fashion icon who was like like functionally Tyra Banks trying to train her daughters to successfully model and they're not great at it but they are trying, that would be really fun to watch. That's not what we saw, 
but we got glimpses that there was potentially another movie happening in the background, which I really would have preferred to watch. Oh, definitely. But she says, earrings should demand a man come closer, close enough to smell your perfume and to see the hairs on the back of your neck. At which point Reagan is like, what if he doesn't like them? And the stepmother goes, ha 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 ha, he'll love them. She goes, that's absurd, he'll adore them. Which like, wow, that's like, okay, that's very very supportive. I guess. And the stepsister starts sniping. Uh, I'm the prettiest, I'm the eldest, I have the best legs, blah, 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 blah. Uh, To which the rejoinder, by the way, is, you have legs like a billiard table. That's just baffling. And the mother says that she'll settle for a duke and they giggle. Which they say while Cinderella is in the room with them. So, yes, Cinderella's in the room with them, like basically serving them. And they make this fuss about how delicious everything was. And they're like, oh, what are you having, Cinderella? And she goes, nothing. And they're like, well, aren't you hungry? And she very happily goes, no, not at all. Then we get like cool, dramatic music as she runs outside in the dark. And through the window of the manor, we see the stepmother and the two stepsisters watching her with intense suspicion. And the stepdaughters are told to follow her, which they do uh, down the cliffside with lanterns. In fancy dresses and heels, having a real hard time. And this was funny. Yeah, they... they this was funny. They really try, though. They go all the way down. They get into the cave and they see her go through the waterfall and they're like, well, mother said, so I guess we try and uh, the magic of the waterfall does not work for them. Well, I'm not sure that they like actively attempt to go through the waterfall. They do fall into like the basin, though, mm-hmm. and are completely covered in water. And maybe you have to just walk through it. And they didn't. Well, the waterfall also doesn't part for them, which, like, the waterfall parted for the bird. That's true. Anyways, it doesn't matter. The point is the waterfall falls in their head. They're covered in water. They flail and scream. It was pretty funny. It was good. We finished that scene, and we don't really... Revisit that at all. Revisit that. We don't get a scene of them squelching their way back up to the manor house, which is a real shame, because that would have been really funny. But that must have happened because now the stepsisters are dressed in their party outfits. Well, hang on. We get this weird scene. Well, no. Scene. Okay. So the stepmother. Yeah. So the stepmother comes to say goodbye to the father. And the father is out of bed and has just decided suddenly that he must go to the ball with them. He's like, I want to go with you and dance with you. And is just trying to eat her hands. Like he's trying to kiss her hands, but he's doing it for so long that it, it transforms into like, you're trying to eat this sandwich badly. And she's like, huh, you are devoted to me, aren't you? Huh. And then Cinderella's like, father, you should be in bed. And he just shoves her aside to, like, continue to wobble his way down the staircase. Yeah, he does have to be there. Like, it's his duty. But he also makes a big deal about how he wants to, like, be there for her. Mm -hmm. So he kind of stumbles down the stairs into the main hall yeah, where the stepsisters are in their ball gowns-ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the stepmother is there and the stepsisters are sneezing and wearing matching blunt bang cut straight wigs. Mm-hmm. Goneril's wearing one that's just like completely black. 
Regan's wearing one that's completely white. And Liv, would you like to describe their outfits? Sure. We had to pause the movie. I made a lot of sounds. So, well, we'll go most totally sensible. Claudette's stepmother is wearing a tight blood red 1950s, very pretty boat neck gown. It's a little bit more sedate and conservative. It has a lot of fancy pleating around the waist. Okay, sorry. Just close your eyes for a moment, dear listeners, and picture the fairy godmother from Shrek 2. Yes. And you'll be pretty close. It doesn't sparkle, but yes, it's that. Reagan the Blonde is wearing a sleeveless, hot pink gown with a sort of a sweetheart neckline and a multi-layered high in front, flowier in the back, layered very, very, very pink thing with full gloves. Mm-hmm. Goneril. <laughs> Goneril is wearing a flesh-colored dress that is also sleeveless, but the, the bodice is separated around the bosom, and there is a heart-shaped cutout from right underneath the boobs to below the belly button. So she's basically got a bra that doesn't close in the front, that's flesh-colored, that is attached down the sides of her body to a weird skirt that's also slit all the way up the front. But don't worry, in case you were concerned about the flesh-coloredness over the booby parts, she's got little bits of decoration on the boob part of this dress that just look like stick-on mustaches right over where the nipples would be. And she's wearing full-length black gloves, like opera-length black gloves. Yeah. It's, it was nightmarish. It was the most horrifying dress I've ever seen. It was very lurid. For being flesh-colored, yeah. It, like. Yeah. That was weird. They're also sneezing because they have colds because they fell in the water, which. That's not how colds work, but I like it. I hope it's fairy dust. Me too. Me too. I hope they're allergic to algae. <laughs> So the father stumbles into the room and just kind of goes, well, we're all set. And the stepmother gives him another glass and is like, here, drink this. It will give you extra reserves of stamina, which you will need tonight, as it will be a night to remember. And so he drinks it and immediately passes out and like mm-hmm. falls to the side. With Cinderella literally right next to him, like she's two steps behind him. And the stepmother just turns around and smiles and goes, never dance with a man who can't hold his drink. And then they just drive off in a red convertible with a chauffeur. Yep. And now we're in the kitchen mm-hmm. where Zazzle is holding up the glass. And I guess there's a cook now Yep. who goes, what the heck is that? We've never seen this woman before. We never see her. We just hear her voice. We never see her again. And Zazzle goes, I don't know. And pours the clear liquid from this tiny little glass, fancy cut glass thing, onto something. Like a plate of maybe food, maybe fries for some reason. It's either like a crab or a sea anemone or a zinnia or a plate of sweet potato fries. It's honestly not clear. It's kind of beigey orangey and kind of pokey but kind of bland has a bunch of sticky out parts it's on a plate on the table 
I'm so sorry. I know that none of you care, but we like went back and we still can't figure it out. And it's just, it's very important to us. So please listen closely. It is on a plate. It is, the plate is on a table. It's brown. It's on the plate. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, but what happens when she pours this liquid on it is that the, whatever it is on this plate, hisses and steams and goes from like an okay color of light reddish brown to just dark, burnt, ashy brown in this cloud of smoke. So this liquid... The smoke is green. Yeah, so this this thing is either just straight up hydrochloric acid or magic. Cause it's like the color of evil magic. It's not radioactive green. It like exhales in a sigh of evil. I I kept expecting it to turn into like a little skull like it did in the Emperor's New Groove. That would be so great. So Zazzle goes, I can't let her get away with this. But like that means that she didn't hear the sisters the last several times that they were like, Mother, who will you marry next? I hope husband number four is a duke. And it means that the stepmother is either giving the father straight up magic, which how does she have magic? Or she's feeding him hydrochloric acid and he's just fine. I don't know. Like, I think she's just mixing like household bathroom chemicals and it's the 50s. So they'll just put anything in there. That's that's super legit. That's quite possible. And she's happening. waiting to see if any of them kill him. Yeah. But he's just such a hearty drinker. He just has such a hearty constitution <laughs> that none of the chemicals have like impacted him all the way. He's just a little too hearty. My notes now go halfway through the movie. No prince. Nope. Zazala runs into the cave, goes into the waterfall, and asks Mab for a ball gown. And Mab is confused as to why she's making this request to her specifically, which is like a fair point. Yeah. Zazala just is like, well, Salem said to ask you if I needed help, and I need help, so I'm asking. Basically, Mab is like, well, do I even look like I would possess such an item? But, but then she does have one, and she says she never wears it because it makes her look fat, which I didn't enjoy. That wasn't... That was a weird line. I can't believe that that's, like, a thing that Mab would think about ever. It should have just been red, and she could have just been like, oh, it's not my color. It makes my skin dry out. Like, it makes my skin feel dry. Or, like, well, you know, I'd wear that, but it's a little too modest. Something. It's not flattering would have been okay, but like it makes me look fat. That was a weird 2000s moment. Yeah. Anyways, um, she has a really great line that doesn't really get addressed where she's like, I don't do magic. Everything we want already exists. Yep. Which is like a type of philosophy that is like an actual thing, which is interesting. So she's literally like manifesting this. Okay, but like she is doing magic. So like that's a cool line but it's a weird line to do while literally doing magic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then she does the best line. So Zazala's like, wow, that's beautiful. What about shoes? And Mab goes, shoes are for people who hate their feet. I don't do shoes. Shoes I do not do. <laughs> I just straight up refuses to do shoes. It's amazing. Which I love. I just am delighted by the fact that Mab is like, okay, you want to go to a party? Fine. Fine. You want a ball gown? Okay. Fine. I don't get it, but if it'll make you happy. But I draw the line 
at you having to wear shoes young lady that's that's absurd so we're cutting between this and the actual gala the ball and we're on the red carpet now and stepmother and stepsisters are doing red carpetry shenanigans with like posing and duck face and whatever there's paparazzi for some Mm -hmm. reason or hired photographers i don't know to make people feel special and the stepsisters in particular are showing off the gifts that they got from the father like emphasizing the ring the one that got a necklace is like sticking out her chest to emphasize the necklace yeah but they're also like pretending to flash the paparazzi yes okay fine whatever we're also focused on their shoes as they go yes. in. Like we focus very specifically on their shoes. Like the camera is at shoe level and the stepmother and stepsisters are all wearing like very dainty, sparkly and practical shoes. Mm-hmm. So we're back in the cave now. Zazel is wearing a very pretty blue dress. It's dark blue. It has sort of a ruffly bodice. It's got a fuller skirt, but it's also sort of all handkerchief cut. So it looks very distinctive. It looks very separate from all the very extreme weird pointy hard lines that the 1950s did so it's definitely a piece of its own there's something almost iridescent about the shade of blue it looks almost like the morpho butterfly yeah yeah so there's something hypnotic about it and she genuinely stands out in a way that doesn't feel like artificial Mm -hmm. and it is like a beautiful dress and she looks very pretty in it it's one of my favorite cinderella dresses that we've seen Absolutely. And her hair is in this, it's sort of up and pulled away from her face, and it's all sort of curled, but in a very messy bun kind of way, like messy pretty. And then Mab just kind of runs her hand through her hair, leaving like just little sparkly diamonds in random places. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my god, I want my hair done by a fairy that looks like romantic and magical. Wow. Yep. And so Mab is continuing to be like, why do you want to go to the ball? There are people there, which... Ew. Ew. Uh, two introverts agree. No, thank you. I pass. But as Ezela says, I have to stop my stepmother. She's trying to poison my father, which begs the question, why doesn't she go to Mab and be like, hey, you know what I need? I need a cure for this poison that my stepmother's been giving my father. Right? It's very, like, I don't... Like her they connected solving. to things that like do not make any sense. Her problem like solving skills, no. none, Mm-mm. non-existent. So Mab's like, great, cool. Here's the necklace. Your everything's ready. Go jump off the stairs. Trust me. And Zezel is like, sure, whatever. So she braces herself and jumps off the top of this staircase into like a pool of water. And as she's falling, Mab goes, and don't forget to come back before. And Zezla hits the water, and Mab goes, huh, midnight, <laughs> which was delightful. And we get a really cool moment here. We get we get a picture of a uh, horse and carriage on the lit ripple reflections of this pool. It looks almost like an icon. Mm-hmm. Like they've selected an icon for the transportation device. Yes. It was very bizarre because the next bit is Zezla like floating in a tunnel of like shimmering space and time presumably this is a weird this is a doctor who water space tunnel yeah yeah and that's okay yeah it was cool so we're back at the palace we're we're now finally finally meeting our royals we are with queen seraphina Mm -hmm. who is again dressed like marie antoinette and she is very vexed with her son and she's saying you know there are some very pretty girls here 
they're here for you, please dance. And Prince Valiant is just moping on a sofa with a guitar. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, Mama, I don't dance. This boy is like 2000s pretty. So he's got dark hair and eyes and semi-delicate features. But he's just so mopey. Yeah. And like stupid. He's like an emo boy. He, yes. I just... I In the worst not, way. <laughs> I could not stand him. He was the worst. But Zezel has gotten to the party now. She has appeared in a fountain. It's very cute. The fountain is right by the entrance to the castle, where there happens to be a rose bush. I think this is the rose bush where her parents met. Presumably, yes. Yeah. And my confusion now is I'm like, cool, great. I get that she went through this magic water tunnel and that she's here and dry, but she's in a real fountain now with real water. Why isn't she getting wet? Well, she probably is, but the dress doesn't get wet. All right, whatever. She looks at the rose bush and she tries to enter the palace, but the guards block their scimitar things mm -hmm. because she's not wearing shoes because she's barefoot. And she just sort of lowers her head and kind of saunters sadly away Yep. back to the fountain. And then we see the prince playing handball inside. With his terrible friends. I love his terrible friends. We do like it when the prince has terrible friends. They're playing with like flat bats and a ball and they manage to shatter like a beautiful stained glass window that looks vaguely religious-y. None of them are very bothered by it. One of the friends is like, hey, shouldn't we be going down to the ball? And the prince is like, what's the point? None of them know how to dance. They're all squares. And then one of them goes, there'll be some girls there, though. And he goes, girls aren't cool. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what are we, 13? And then the other friend, seemingly in response to this specifically, goes, my sister's not bad at tennis. And the prince is like, your sister tried to kiss me in the throne room. It was freaky. This dude is, like, in his 20s. Like, it's fine to not be interested in girls, but, but it's a little weird that he's surprised and confused by the fact that girls are interested in him. It's very upsetting. The queen interrupts this um, conversation and is like, seriously, you guys, you, you are from noble families. Protocol demands your presence. And they're like, all right, mom, we're coming. So they, they go, and they're at the ball now. Queen Serafina is talking with like one of the ministers or one of the old dudes in a red coat and she goes what does one look for in a daughter-in-law and he goes obedience and she goes ha 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 and then the prince and his terrible friends walk in in formation very dramatically and the music kind of swells and the lighting changes and I'm like oh my god is it about to play a song and then it doesn't. He just dramatically walks into the scene. And I'm like, oh, thank God. It's fine. Oh, thank God. The backdrop, by the way, is just millions of candles on, like, floating shelves. It's bananas. There's so many candles. And this is like a rock and roll costume ball. So there's people in, not, not like haute couture, literally just in, like, a costume party. This is a costume party. The prince goes, it's like a cattle market. And then he's like, great, I request the first dance with 
you and I thought he was pointing to the stepmother, but it turns out he was pointing at Goneril. Mm-hmm. He makes his one of his terrible friends dance with Reagan. Zezel is still moping around the garden, just like on the fountain, talking to her dead mom bush. She's like, I'm here at the place you fell in love, but I can't get in for I have no shoes. Oh, poor father. And flower petals fall from the rose bush and land on her feet and make a pair of flats that look exactly like a bunch of flower petals yep. got hot glued to a pair of flats. Here's the thing. I like the flower petal shoes. I think it's cute. I don't think they look good. I don't think they look good. I like the concept of them. Okay, that's fine. It doesn't look good. It looks like something that if you went to Michael's, it would take you like $3 worth of supplies and 15 minutes to do. A hundred percent, yeah. Okay, so now that Zezla has shoes, she can come into the party. This irritated me because in the beginning there was a whole thing about the stepmother and stepsisters couldn't come in, not because they didn't have shoes, but because they didn't have an invitation. And she also doesn't have an invitation. Yeah. So I don't know why the shoes matter this I, that irritated me from like a con, like a consistency. I don't know. Yeah, that scene at the beginning was like should not have been included because yeah. it confused me then, and it's confusing you now. It's just it's bad. So there's so many candles in this room. Mm-hmm. The prince is dancing with Goneril, who's doing very weird, like dance like an Egyptian hands. It's very strange. Sort of flailing her arms around him very dramatically. Yes. And he does look like he's kind of into it. He's kind of grooving. Not like super into it, but he's like, okay, yeah. let's see what let's see what's gonna what's happen. Gonna happen, yeah. But she's sneezing. But as uh, Zazala enters the room, we keep getting these intensely creepy whispers about, look at her dress, her dress, her dress. But it doesn't sound like the people are whispering. It sounds no. like the spirit of all the dead peasants of the kingdom. Yes. Listen up and like are speaking oh through the walls. It's the worst. This is. And it goes on for a really long time. It's like whatever the opposite of ASMR is. Yes. Where just bad sounds happen to you and you're not allowed to leave. Yeah, it was that, the opposite of ASMR. The stepsisters ask, like, who is she? As she walks right past the prince without noticing because that's not what her goal is. Her goal, it turns out, is to just cockblock the stepmother's attempts to find a new husband mm-hmm. so the stepmother is flirting with an old duke and Zezla just straight up cuts in between them and is like oh i'd love this dance and grabs this older dude and starts dancing away yep the prince is really distracted by this because this girl is not paying him any attention and is very distinctive looking he is now dancing with regan which is to say he's standing there like rotating his head to keep Zezla. And the elderly ambassador, like, in his field of vision as they do, like, spins around the room. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Regan is, like, very aggressively shimmying around him. And he, like, does not notice at all. I have doing big boob rolls. She's doing, like, whole body boob rolls. She's, she's working real hard. Yeah. So Claudette moves on to somebody else. And uh, Zezela jumps in between them again and asks the old man to dance and the prince then comes up to her and is like would you like to dance and she's like no no i'm busy and just dances away with another old guy so basically we the prince continues to be captivated by by her and then we're at the dinner portion of this ball 
and the stepsisters are like sexily eating near the prince like close to him aggressively in his personal space the queen and the ambassador have noticed that the prince is intrigued by this girl in a blue dress and that she seems to prefer a more mature type of gentleman but like that makes so much sense from the perspective of what this ball is and where it's being held and what for like a young woman who is noble enough to get into the ball being like you know what i'd like a noble rich old husband who will die soon and leave me a widow so i can do whatever i want i mean that's a really solid plan that's a that is one of the best possible options yeah so they're they're treating this like this is a very bizarre thing for her to be doing when it makes the most sense of anything really although less so when you remember it's the 50s well, more so when you remember that it's the 1740s in Scotland. <laughs> Anyways, so the prince is really mad that Zezula is talking animatedly with this uh, older guy. And he's complaining to, I think, the ambassador. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what could, what could she be interested in that I am not doing or something? And the ambassador goes, well, what are you good at? And the prince snaps his fingers. And then we get a series of aggressive finger snaps. And Talon and I had to stop the movie because... The music swells, and at 56 minutes into the movie, which had, you know, some foreshadowing that it could become a musical, but not any hard evidence. Nope. We were lulled into a false sense of security, but it is now, in fact, dear listeners, a musical. A bad one, too. (laughs) Bad. Uh... Uh, so the prince decides that he's gonna impress Zazula by serenade her in a very like um cool guy rock and roll song. It's it's a bad Elvis impersonation, is what it is. Yeah, and the band is backing him up on this. There's suddenly a band now. Uh, there hasn't been a live band behind him up until this moment, but now there is with. Like trumpet players, but also trombone players mm-hmm. and drums and things. Part of his song involves him werewolf yipping into his mic. So I can't do this justice. No. Nope. But the song goes kind of like there's a girl in a dress. She's not like all the rest. And then he just goes like, oh, 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 in like a cool guy way. I guess. And then there's a lot of like, who's that girl? And the queen is jamming out the whole time. Like, yes, That's, good job, my son. The Watching the queen try to bop to this was genuinely funny. I got a little bit of joy out of that moment. And then the prince gets a guitar solo. And the stepsisters are super into it. They're all shrieking like they're at a concert. All the other girls seem to be into it. Yep. And then after the guitar solo, he sings another stanza that also goes like, there's a girl in a dress. And it's uh, about how she's strange and she's made him change. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, kind of leaps onto his knees in front of Zazala and then runs away and then runs back at her and kind of body surfs back to her and then they run out of the castle holding hands well he grabs her arm and goes do you get it and then runs off with her past the stepmother 
who is covering her ears, shrieking, how is this noise called music? And like, guys, I great, don't... Great question. I don't like it when I agree with the evil stepmother who's in the process of murdering a man. I guess we're squares. Look, that's fine. <laughs> Square is a good solid shape. Mm-hmm. Four. It's a good number. Yeah, so everyone's like partying it up. We get a shot of fireworks going over the castle. And then we're inside what I thought was a clown room. The way you just have a clown-themed room in a castle, because why not? Mm -hmm. It's just very, like, yellow and orange and red and blue color scheme, but it actually ends up being the throne room. Yeah. Because Zazula goes, oh, what happens here? And they pan over, and there's two thrones at the head of the room. And the prince is like, oh, you know, audiences government uncouth stuff like that uncool stuff like that he said uncool are you kidding me he said uncool i thought that was like very charming actually i wish i'm so sorry to he said uncool yeah i hate him yeah he's the worst do you know that i thought for at first that he said uncool and then my brain in order to protect me from this reality was like no no colin surely not you must have misheard it must have been uncouth. Oh, yes, of course. That makes so much sense. Thank God. What a silly mistake that would have been. Surely no one would have written that line. Oh, but we should be so lucky. So Zazala asks which seat he sits in. He sits in one of them, and she points to the empty one next to him and goes, and who sits in the other one? And there's horror music playing in the background. Like, this is the scary music that plays in a horror scene. In, like, a stripy clown room. Yeah. And he's like, well, my mama sits there at present, but... And she's sort of just spinning awkwardly and weirdly swaying. And they have the weirdest exchange where, during this entire time, she'll be swaying back and forth like she's being hypnotized by Ka from The Jungle Book. And he'll just be swaying about 12 inches behind her, not touching her, just weirdly mimicking her. So I think what's happening is that the prince is very high and her dress is the shiniest dress in the room because he goes, you know, you blew my mind in that dress. It's deeply cool. Where did you get it? And she goes, oh, up in the mountains, there's a lake. It's my favorite place. He's like, oh, and like you can buy it there, um, and she's like, ah. The line is, and there one can buy these clothes. <laughs> like, dude, pick a timeline. Yeah. And oh my god, it's so dumb. Go ahead. So dumb. So he's like, oh, I've never been to the mountains. Never been, but it's your kingdom. Yes, but I stay here doing what? Nothing. Don't you have any goals in life apart from being king? No, but now I want to make you my wife. I don't know if I love you. Maybe you do and you just don't know it. No, he said, perhaps you do. Just a little bit. Oh, sure. Because that's repeated back to him later. That does happen later. I was blacking in and out through this part. It was just so painful. So she sits on the throne and he's like, will you kiss me? She goes, I've never been kissed. And he goes, me neither. And I'm like, what? Well, he does think that girls aren't cool. And he did kind of go, ew, girls. I guess. Maybe he's just come back from, like, college. 
maybe he's 13 50s college where they don't allow girls i forgot right it's the 50s again so but, well i hmm. here's the anyway okay so they almost kiss and his like cuckoo alarm clock goes off that's what it sounds like but i think it's his wristwatch it's but... a wristwatch but it sounds like a cuckoo clock so he's like oh it's midnight and she runs away and I think her clothes are transformed back to her old clothes, but she's backlit, so, like... It happens, like, in the same moment as she turns around, so the transition is really hard to spot. Yeah. It's just sort of one moment she's wearing the party dress, and the next moment she's wearing, like, a very plain dark blue dress. And she runs away as it's happening, and he goes, wait, I don't even know your name. And she doesn't stop, but she does leave behind a flower petal shoe. Mm-hmm. and he stands there just holding the pedal shoe and his terrible friends arrive with the stepsisters and they're like we're all going swimming and they've got like bottles in their hands and they're trying to get him to come and he's just like standing looking into the distance yeah and then Zezala somehow out of nowhere falls into the fountain Mm-hmm. We just cut to a big sploosh in the fountain, which we assume is her. I don't know if she actively jumped into it or if she was, like, sucked into it somehow. Oh, I so want to believe that she just got, like, hoovered into this fountain. That would be hysterical. Zoop. <laughs> yep. And she appears back in her regular clothes in the lake back in the mountains. But she's soaking wet this time. Uh-huh. And Mab goes, oh, so you're back. Like, Mab, come on. You, you were the one that put the mid... Come on, ma'am. I don't think she knows what time it is. That's fair. So uh, Zezula rushes home to get home before the stepmother and tells Phelan the servant about the ball and asks him to hide her other shoe. Phelan is like, oh, so you danced with the prince? And she's like, oh, yes. But like, she didn't. She didn't dance with him. He aggressively sang a hip thrusty Elvis impersonator song at her, dragged her to the throne room, and she sort of swayed from side to side by herself in his proximity and then ran away like they did not dance they didn't dance together yeah and this isn't the only time they mentioned them dancing together it's referenced multiple times and we literally never see them dance together no i mean we get incontrovertible evidence that they don't dance together we watch the whole thing we get other people commenting on how much they're not dancing together like the inconsistencies in this movie drove me bananas it's it's really like uh, okay listen i like continuity but it's not the end all be all in a movie for it to make like perfect chronological sense or whatever but like i feel like this is something that could have been caught in editing it's just like so obviously remarked on so many times that it just like, it's impossible not to notice it, and it, it's, it, it's dumb. It's dumb. So, anyways, Ezel is asking Phelan, like, well, hey, how come you don't see Mab anymore? And he's like, oh, well, I like people, and she likes her solitude, and she likes swimming, and I think a bath once a week is sufficient. And it turns out that they're married. Yeah, like, still married. Still married. Actively still married together. He's like, yeah, it's hard work. Yeah, he goes, it's not like in the fairy tales. And then we're just done with that scene. We just leave that scene to the stepmother giving the father a glass full of obviously green poison. 
And she says, it's good for you, this stuff. Trust me, my first husband was a doctor. Which is hilarious. Because the clear implication was that she killed her previous two husbands. Yeah. Uh, which I like to think that she accumulates all the knowledge of every husband every time she gets rid of one. Mm-hmm. So, like, one was a doctor and one was, like, a lawyer. And now she's got, like, an ambassador. Ooh, I like it. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, so she leaves it and Zazola comes in and throws it out the window and sort of shakes her father awake and is like, just just say that you drank it. Do you understand? You're being poisoned. And he's like, nonsense. Meanwhile, he can barely breathe. He's laying in bed just shaking the whole time. And he still is the smuggest, like most insufferable man. I'm going to read you my notes exactly. Mm-hmm. Just say you drank it. Do you understand? Nonsense aggressive snaps no i will not have a reprise of this song absolutely not no absolutely not there are motorcycles why no 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 yeah so whoever created this film thought that the prince's weird out of nowhere novelty song at the ball was so good that we should listen to it fully again Mm -hmm. like 10 minutes later the whole thing the whole thing again and Please recall that it literally goes, there's a girl in a dress. She's not like all the rest. It's, and it's just like, it's cool, but it's, mm. It's an Elvis song. So it's like, ba-da-ba-da-bum, there's a girl. Like, it's so dumb. It's mm-hmm. so, it's horrible. I've just, I've heard better songs on, like, Whose Line Is It Anyway, where they theoretically make them up on the spot. Yeah. Like, songs that were more convincing as a real song that could exist in the universe of the movie. You guys, I have heard a comedy duo that is Catholic nun-based at a Renaissance fair do a better Elvis song. (laughs) Just... To let you know how bad this song is. So him and his terrible friends are on motorcycles driving through this reprise of their horrible song. And he stops at a village that's in the 1740s and announced that he's going to try the shoe on everybody and marry the girl who fits it. And he's trying the shoe on a girl who's wearing an honest-to-God wimple. Mm-hmm. He's time-traveled. He just happens to live right next door to a historic village. I guess... Where they do, like, recreations, and it's primarily a tourist venture, but he's not going to discriminate. These are the people of his country, and he will try the floral shoe petal thing on all of them. I guess. But, like, he's the one trying them on, and he's looking at these ladies in the face with zero recognition. I don't really understand how he doesn't recognize like they hung out like they talked yeah they she should have had one of those little half masks on if you're gonna do this it's so irritating all right anyways the prince finally makes it to their house like the manor house the stepsisters see him from the upper window and they titter aggressively the prince comes in and like announces to them what's going on and the stepmother is like now look you've been intimate with both of my girls at this party I'm positive that one of them will fit the shoe, but please consider the other one. There'll be, there'll be tears, and it, can we please try these shoes on 
alone. And one of the terrible friends is like, this is a bad idea. That's a big breach of, like, no. It's a major break with precedent. Major break with precedent. And the prince, like an idiot, goes, well, it is the request of a loving mother. Like, no, this is a terrible idea. You're so stupid. Ugh. So we cut to the stepmother failing to put the shoe on. And we're back in the funhouse Beetlejuice room mm-hmm. with all the stripes where the prince is waiting. Zezela brings them a tray of food. No one notices her at all. Like they, one of the terrible friends moves her out of the way to get to the sandwiches. The prince is like slouching sideways in the chair and he is physically turned away from her. But he does know that a person has walked into the room. And even though she's like not in his light of sight, could have like turned around and acknowledged her. Yeah, this is just... Anyways, so we're back with the stepmother. And she's like, all right, it's not working. And she pulls out a hacksaw. Mm-hmm. And she goes, one of you has to lose some toes. But part of the thing that the prince and his friends have been complaining about in the Beetlejuice room is they're trying on shoes. Like, it either fits or it doesn't. What is taking so long? So the prince interrupts this hacksaw shoe montage moment with, stop this madness. He takes the handsaw out of the stepmother's hand very casually. Very casually. And she doesn't seem like shocked. Surprised? Nope. So I don't think they're the first people who have had this idea, which is an interesting thought. But he's like, stop it. It clearly doesn't fit. He goes, there's not a girl in the whole of the mountains who can fit this shoe. I failed. And he tells his friends to go on without him on this motorcycle. He says, go on ahead, guys. We need a bit of time. And then he sits there on his motorcycle by the wall, just sadly looking out. Yep. And then we get the sky starts to be aggressively weird again. And Mr. Bird shows Mm -hmm. up and uh, the prince manages to somehow find his way down this staircase. The eagle is still making dragon sounds. It's really upsetting. And then we pivot to like mob inside of her portion of the cave. And she appears to just be taking a bath. Like, I don't know what she's doing, but she's in a basin of water. And we only see her from, like, her chin up. And I, we keep getting shots of her kind of moving around in the water. Sort of weird and sensual. It's uncomfortable to watch. So it's odd because, one, like, the prince is, like, approaching and two, it looks very much like the flashes that we saw earlier in the movie. Yeah. But it's not clear how they relate to that moment. No, not at so all. So the whole thing is like very confusing and feels like very charged and portentous, but nothing happens. Like the prince walks into the cave, sees the waterfall, goes through, and then mob materializes in front of him, but she's like dressed in a corset. Yeah, she's wearing the dress that she's been wearing, which is just sort of green and sleeveless. And she goes, you're not going to put that litter in my lake, are you? She's talking about the, like, red silk handkerchief that the shoe is wrapped up in. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I was looking for a shop or a boutique or something. That sells fire out dresses. And Mab, bless her heart, I love her so much, goes, well, I think you took a wrong turn about 100 miles ago. And walks away. But then he follows her into the cave, like, further, and the next shot shows that they're sitting at a table, and they're, like, fully into a conversation. They're having a picnic. They're having, like, a romantic picnic inside a magical cave. 
and he's telling her about his girl problems, which, like, I think that is the one way you can get Mab on your side without, like, offending her if you're a guy is to be like, Mab, I am so in love with this girl. Like, nothing in the world is more incredible to me than her because I love her. Okay, but Mab asked him to describe her, and he cannot do that. He's like, she's just, she looks kind of fishy, but not in a bad way. He says, not, like, weird. (laughs) Fabulously piscatorial. Oh, this should have been the fabulously piscatorial Cinderella. (laughs) I feel like that's also not an accurate descriptor, though. This was not a fabulously piscatorial Cinderella. Oh, my God. Anyways, and he's like, I love her, but I lost her. And Mab is a little bit done with his nonsense at this point. She's like, if you loved her, you would keep looking for her for the rest of your life. What are you, a man or a mollusk? Which is great. And he goes, I'm a prince. And she goes, well, we all have our misfortunes. (laughs) <laughs> but Mab is like well you danced with her la 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 and Prince Valiant goes like oh I never said I danced with her you know who she is tell me who she is like I order you to tell me and Mab laughs at him and he's like I mean please pretty please like please I thought I was cool about girls and love and stuff mm-hmm. like no bro that is the exact sequence of words that he says with his face like no bro you were never cool about girls and love and stuff i assure you and mab is like are you sure this is what you want and he's like 100 percent." and mob is like and you've i assume you've tried all the girls in the whole land with some sort of test you know that's that's very traditional and he's like yes every single one and then with just incredible patience she goes every single one are you absolutely sure and he's like, yeah. She's like, every single woman in the whole kingdom, you are absolutely, completely sure you haven't missed any one woman in your kingdom. And he kind of thinks about it. For a and long. Up and For a long time. <laughs> so we, we cut to him throwing the doors open and slamming back into the manor house, insisting that, no, there was a girl, she served us sandwiches. And they go to the boiler room, and there's Zezula, and he goes, if this fits you, you'll become my bride. And the stepmother rushes over to Zezula and puts her arm around her and is like, this is a very portentous moment. Are you sure you wouldn't like her to be clean? Which is an interesting thing, because... I, if I was Cinderella, I would like like 15 minutes to wash my face. Yeah, because she's in the coal room covered in coal. Yeah. You know, true love and all that. But yeah. I'd, I'd like to look like, if not my best, then at I least like, like clean normal. Face. Clean regular. face and hands. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to put on some deodorant. Yeah. So we <laughs> cut to Phelan from the upper window and he is looking out the window sort of sneakily. And the stepsisters are marching off to war with, like, guns and axes against a blood-red sky going, we're going to chop off our feet and heads. They're gonna go chop the rosebush. Yeah. But they sing, like, a sing-songy rhyme back and forth about chopping body parts. It's horrific. And then we cut to this weird scene where the stepmother is aggressively corseting Cinderella, who, by the way, is a very, very thin person. Into this weird black swan type dress, 
but the dress winds up being red but the corset is black it was weird and basically says look if you try on the shoe i will murder your father don't don't do it so they go in to see the prince who's like i have been waiting for two hours and zezula starts playing the part of her own stepsisters being like Mm -hmm. i've been powdering my nose a lady must find her best light and the prince is like okay whatever take off your shoe and she goes can we have a talk and he's like no please just take off your shoe and she's like oh so you don't you don't want to hear my words you just want me to be silent you think you're worth and he's like no i'm just just please try on the shoe and she's like oh so you think you already know what i have to say and it just goes on forever Mm -hmm. and she's like maybe i'm not interested in becoming a trophy wife and it's just because we already know she's doing this to like for her father you know save her father who i like first of all don't even like i don't care he could die that'd be fine yeah like he's getting poisoned by his wife like eh, whatever it happens he sucks but then the prince is like i'm in love with the girl who fits this shoe and zesla very fairly goes but you don't want to have a conversation like you know it's me like you don't want to have a conversation with me what the heck She's like, but you don't have time for pleasantries. Living with you might have its downsides. He's like, well, I'm sure you'll like parts of it. She brings up a lot of really good points in this incredibly weird, unpleasant scene that I didn't like. Yeah, it went on for a really long time. And then we have my favorite scene. (laughs) Why don't you do the honors? Okay. So Phelan, having seen what's happening, is you know, in a weakened state, but doing better. And he runs to find uh, Zezula's father, Martin. And he finally finds him in the bedroom and he's going to go wake him up because, you know, presumably he's been sick. Uh, But instead he finds him tied to the bed and gagged. Mm -hmm. And his Mm -hmm. immediate response is, flipping act, you old fool. You should have listened to your daughter. And he like unties him, but the whole time he's telling him how stupid he is and how much he deserves it. And the first thing that Martin says after he's been like ungagged is, oh, I've behaved like a monster. What's gotten into me? And Phelan goes, oh, I can guess. We are going to have some things to talk about in the after party, you guys. Mm -hmm. It's going to be uncomfortable. Brace for it. Yep. So uh, we cut back to Zazala and she asked the prince if he's brought her a present. And he's like, no, but you'll have all the presents. presents later. There's a quick cut scene where the stepsisters are cutting down the rose bush, which I'm sad about, but also doesn't mean anything. So it's this weird nothing scene. Yeah. And he begs her to try on the slipper and she goes, well, are you engaged in any great works? He's like, uh, no, but I will be. I promise I'm going to try to understand my people and serve them well. And he starts talking about how he was so inspired by her to like do something meaningful and that she, you know, that the girl from the party mm-hmm. made him even made him want to dance, which again, they did not do. But also the whole thing was that he didn't want to dance, but then when he wanted to go, when he didn't want to go to the party, he goes, none of these squares can even dance like he it seems like he wants to it's just this movie is so confused i wish they would stop telling me things about dancing 
because they didn't have to say any of this and it's nope. very distracting and so the prince goes this love's trip weirder than i expected is it always like this <laughs> and claudette goes no it gets dull fast and the prince says oh well i would be dull with her for days and Dazzla is very stone-faced and says it it isn't me and he asks her to try on the slipper so they'll know for sure and he's like i never thought i'd say i love you to anyone but if you put like if the slipper fits i'll say it to you uh so Zazla just sh- like shreds the slipper in her hands and starts crying and the prince is like what is it with women i don't understand and claudette goes yes we're one of the great unsolved mysteries aren't we amazing again weird to be siding with claudette oh, over yeah. the prince a lot but now the father and phelan the servant have come down the stairs but the stepsisters are also coming back in holding axes having just chopped this rose bush down and they start chasing the father and phelan with pickaxes in the air and they all wind up in the same room together and the prince is like stop it immediately what's going on and then the father goes, why is Prince Valiant here? And Zazzle goes, because I think I'm in love with him a little bit. And the prince is like, oh no, but you've destroyed the slipper. And Phelan goes, a slipper? I've got a slipper. And pulls out the other slipper and hands it to her. And she puts it on, and like puts it on her, I think. And Claudette no, goes- No, the prince puts it on her. Oh, okay, good. That makes me feel a little bit better. And he's like, it fits. And Claudette goes, I hate happy endings. Yeah. And then we get another scene and Phelan shows up in Nab's cave with a bouquet. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what, what is it? And he tells her that he's getting soft in his old age and he's lonely. And there's a big wedding up at the castle and he's finding himself thinking of her. And she tells him that she often thinks of him. And they decide that they're going to try again because two baths a week won't kill him and then they start making out a lot which is weird because Phelan is um quite an elderly gentleman as we've said and Mab is mm, like an ageless bog witch so well presumably she doesn't care I mean yeah it's fine it's just it was a little weird from an audience standpoint because either she's thousands of years older than him or like really young I mean it was just weird I, I think it balances out okay sure whatever so we cut to the castle and the queen is scolding the father because he didn't come to the ball and like that was your responsibility and he's like i mean i also married a murderer and she's like uh whatever he apologizes to the queen he's like i'm sorry i didn't do my duty and the queen goes well i think the person you need to apologize to is down there pointing to his daughter and he goes you're right and then doesn't apologize Mm-hmm. The queen and the father walk up to the prince and Zezela, and the queen is like, the motorcade is ready. And Zezela's like, that's so expensive. We'll walk. And the father is just in between them, framed in the background, who just sort of smiles and nods and walks away without apologizing mm-hmm. for all of the horrible, horrible things that he has said and done. Yeah. Or thanking her for, like, the fact that he's not dead. And then we see... The stepmother and stepsisters being escorted into Soviet Russia at gunpoint. Yeah. 
No, that's exactly what's happening. So they're in their coats. They've got their hair wrapped up in a headscarf. And there's uniformed men with guns pointed at them, forcing them to march through an empty winter street. But we were just in the garden a second ago. And we're done now. Like, that's the last scene of the movie. Like, that's we're, we're finished now? Yeah. And then we get, like, very dramatic music, but it's the credits. And we're, yeah. we're blessedly finished with this movie. This was the longest 90-minute movie I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're finished. We're done with this movie forever now. So highs and lows. Okay. So. Um, it's a challenge. Okay. So my high is definitely when Balaam is there to, well, he ends up rescuing the father, but he scolds him the entire time. <laughs> and I just love that the father is like, tied up and gagged and having a bad time and is being scolded for being stupid and there's nothing he can say because demonstrably like she was right and he was wrong and it's such a like punch to his ego it just makes me so happy so it's my high Mm -hmm. my low is every time they showed us Balaam just like putting coal in the boiler it made me really upset because it was so visceral and they kept like lingering on the shots Mm -hmm. of this man who's just having a hard time breathing and is swaying and is like clearly straining and in pain I didn't like it 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 made me really upset yeah how about you what are your highs and lows I think my high was the moment that Queen Seraphine in her like Marie Antoinette getup is trying to bop to a terrible Elvis rock and roll song for like one second. It was absolutely hysterical. Amazing. Uh, my low is a hundred percent the part where they killed the sheep. Oh yeah. No, that was really bad. That was really bad. And it happened for no reason. Like we got several things established for the stepsisters being evil. They did not need to kill the sheep. Yeah, I'm just choosing to completely not engage with that. And the movie made it really easy for me to not engage with it. Okay, well. By, like, showing it happen off screen and very quickly moving to a different shot that's, like, very dramatic and colorful. And so I just get to be like, blah, 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 blah. Beatrice was fine. All right, so what would you change about this movie? Uh, Beatrice shouldn't die, obviously. Talon, I swear to God, you have to stop doing that. I'm sorry, like, that didn't need to happen. And I don't, I don't, it makes me sad. And okay. I'm already most of the way to living in a world where that didn't happen. Okay. I, okay. The other change that I would make is uh, it should not be a musical. The prince should not sing. Oh, yeah. That would have made this movie a lot better. Like if that musical number hadn't happened. Mm. Yeah. Okay. You got to ask me what I would change. I'm so sorry. I just, I, I was still. <laughs> picturing a version of this movie in which that didn't happen and what the prince would have done instead to get her attention oh my god uh what (laughs) what change would you make so when zezala goes to the underwater cgi aquarium backdrop and eats the food that mab has offered her Mm -hmm. we should change stories dramatically and this turns into a hades persephone love story between mab and Zezala. Incredible. That's a big change, but I think it's for the better. I really didn't like this movie. I feel like that would have improved it, uh, if only because it then wouldn't have been a Cinderella and it wouldn't have shown up on this podcast. 
I would also accept a Beauty and the Beast. Or that. That would have also been really fun. In which they both turn into mermaids, a la Shrek. Oh, yeah. And just... Mm, so good. So many ways that this movie could have been better, and all of them involve stopping pretending that it's a Cinderella. <laughs> so, all right. Should our listeners watch this? Nope. Yeah, I think you should watch it. It's mm. real weird. Oh. I think you should watch it. Hard disagree. This is a beloved classic. I will say this one shows up on the list of like a lot of the best ofs and like favorites. And maybe a lot of people watch this at a formative time. It did come out in 2000. So like I was 10. So I could see that being formative. But um, this was horrible. <laughs> uh, like now I know why we had so many good ones in a row. Was was this was for this. So final grade. B minus. B minus. I wow. I like that a lot. I had a good time. It has a lot of flaws. Uh, I found several things about it like delightful, and I found several things about it like unpleasant. But overall, I had a really good time. Wow. Okay. I really, really did. So it is not a good movie, but it is an interesting movie. Okay. How about you? What's your grade? Uh, D plus. Oh, okay. I had a really bad time. Okay. Wow. Like, I, I hated the father. I hated how he actively sided with the terrible family and just immediately threw her under the bus all the time and joined in making fun of her. I hated that they killed the sheep. I hated the way the sky was like weirdly trippy and yellow the whole time. Okay, so most of those things are things that I really liked, actually. I hated the prince. I hated the music. I hated the time shift. Like, be in the 1950s or be in the 1750s, but like pick, pick a deck, like pick a century, please, for the love of God. I, Lucy Punch was a delight. I enjoyed watching the stepsisters and stepmothers dynamic, and Mab had some great moments. But, like, this was awful. This is sounding very much like the 10 things I hate about you poem, except you're finishing it up with, and also I hate you a lot for real, the end. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, I'm over here like, but most of all, I hate how I don't hate you at all. Yep, we're ending that sonnet one couplet short. That is the difference in our opinions and our experiences for today. Well, it is almost midnight. <laughs> so thanks for joining us. If you liked this episode, please leave us a rating or a review. We'd love to hear from you. So follow us at CinderPod on Twitter and Instagram, like our Facebook page, or email us at the Cinderella Podcast at gmail.com. If you want Bibbity Bobbity bonus episodes or to hear us discuss this week's Cinderella, but with more adult questions, language, and beverages, join us in the Ever After Party at patreon.com slash cinderpod. Our intro music is Bad Ideas by Kevin McLeod. You can find him at incompetech.com. So, what are we watching next week? Oh, man. We're watching Pinkarella. <gasps> this is the Pink Panther Cinderella. It's like a couple of minutes long. Six. Six minutes long. I'm thrilled. This is 1969. I'm excited about this because I have zero expectations. So, this can't break my heart. You had me at six minutes long. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what we're doing next week. Well, until then, we hope you have a happily ever after.